0: Well, all year, we have been focusing on learning the way of Jesus. And next year, we will continue to be focused on learning the way of Jesus. We'll have a little bit different theme for our preaching ministry. I don't think, at least as long as I'm alive, we'll never get away from that theme. thats I just have one song and I keep singing it. But today, uh, we're almost at the end of a sermon series on the 10 Commandments. And the 10 Commandments in the Bible, uh, we've said, are, they're part of God's moral law. Of what is right and wrong and they reveal to us how God wants for us to live both as individual people and and as a society and we've said again that the whole of the law can be summed up by two commands to love the Lord your God with all your heart soul mind and strength and second to love your neighbor as yourself Jesus taught that all of the all of the law including the 10 commandments can be summed up as a law of love Now, we've said this before, but it bears repeating that obedience to the law, learning the law, doing the law is not the way of salvation. It is not the way to be saved. Remember that being a good person is not what makes you a Christian. Faith in the person and work of Jesus is what makes you a Christian, we are saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus alone and not by our works, as good as they might be. However, once you're saved by grace, learning obedience to the, to the law, leading, uh, learning to do God's will, God's way, as we say, is the way of Jesus. This is the kind of life that God wants for us, his people. So today, we're considering the ninth command, which is, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. And this command deals with being honest or telling the truth. Now, particularly in a court of law, but this is just one example of what God wants for all of our lives, that we would think and speak and walk in accordance with the truth. And this is so needed today, probably now more than ever. Because there is a battle for the truth in so many areas and industries of life. I think of politics. I think of education, healthcare, finance, science, and of course, religion. We are encouraged by the world to create our own truth and then incessantly, constantly share it on social media. You can't just have beliefs and friends anymore, you have to be an influencer and an activist. You're constant promoting or marketing of yourself, of your truth. Now as a result, truth has become personalized, relativized, distorted, and devalued. We are surrounded and sometimes barraged by claims of truth that go in every possible direction. And we know that all these claims can't be true. What even is truth? That's what Pontius Pilate asked. Well, if you have a Bible or a Bible app, please take it and open it to Exodus chapter 20, starting with verse 12. Uh, We'll put it on the screens for you as well. But what, what we're doing here in this sermon series is we're kind of just reading the whole second half of the Ten Commandments. And then we'll unpack the ninth together today. And we're, we'll be looking at three vital uh, things. <laughs> That's, that doesn't sound as smart as I wanted it to sound. Three vital components, aspects. <laughs> help, help me, Lord. <laughs> Things that are produced when we are people who honor the truth. Number one, we'll see that truth produces justice. Number two, that truth produces trust. And number three, and finally, that truth produces transformation. So this is Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. This is God's word. Well, as we've said, uh, the book of Exodus was written about 4,300 years ago by the mighty prophet and leader of the ancient people of Israel, who is Moses. Moses which is why this is part of what is known as the Mosaic Law. It was the law that came through the prophet Moses. Now, Exodus describes a key turning point in the history of the world, really, when God decided to rescue for himself a people. Now, this people of Israel, they were slaves in captivity in Egypt. He freed them miraculously and led them to his own presence where he then revealed to them at Mount Sinai uh, the law, and he entered into a covenant relationship with them. Now, the first four commands are focused on how we are to love God. They're more of a vertical uh, set of commands, and and the remaining six are about how we are to love our neighbor as ourselves, and that's where we are today. Well, today, we're focusing on the ninth command, which reads simply, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Now, this command prohibits or it outlaws lying about your neighbor or distorting or covering up the truth about them. Now, positively, that's the negative side. Don't do that. Positively, it means that we must be people who think and speak and walk according to the truth. Now, if we were people who actually did this, who actually lived like this, then possibly, everything in our lives, right down to the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts, would change. The truth would change how we see ourselves, how we relate to other people, and so many other things in our lives and in society. But today, as I said, I'll just give you three things (laughs) that would change, three vital things that would change, that are produced when we are people who honor the truth. Well, first, let's consider justice. How does obedience to the ninth command lead to justice? Well, how does the truth produce justice? Well, the the, uh, typical location or the context for giving testimony about someone would be in some sort of court proceeding or in the legal system. And to be sure, if our legal system is not based in the truth, then there can be no justice. The whole concept of justice is taking something that is wrong and making it right. But how would anyone know what's right and wrong without knowing what truly happened? Maybe between people or out in the world somewhere. Without the truth... Any judgment rendered would be at best a guess and would be far too easily swayed by the normal things that influence people in this world, by money, by power, by, or be influenced. Those judgments could be influenced by something, um, some other self-centered means of gain. Well, this is why even to this day, if you give testimony, a testimony in court, you'll swear an oath to God do you solemnly swear that you will tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help you God. I think it's just interesting that even in a, a secular, largely secular society, we still understand that when dealing with the truth, God should probably be involved somehow, right? Well, who is God again? Look at Deuteronomy 34, 32 verse 4. He is the rock. His works are perfect and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. So who is God? Our God is just and commands that justice be done. So we as creatures made in his image and likeness must be people of integrity. We must be people who speak honestly about ourselves and about others we must be people who refuse to distort the truth or hide the truth or even exaggerate the truth, even and especially when it's costly. But if we are, not, if we are committed to giving true testimony as opposed, as opposed to false testimony about our neighbor, then justice is possible. Good judgments can be given. True wrongs can truly be made right. Right. And I believe that no matter what you might believe about God or no matter what you think about who Jesus is, this is the type of society that we should all want and work for and defend. This is why perjury is wrong. This is why destroying evidence is wrong. This is why law enforcement and lawyers and judges, the whole court system These things are important. The whole system is important. And not because the system is perfect. Nothing is perfect in this broken world. But because first, the truth produces justice. Now second, let's think about how the truth produces trust. So far, we've only been talking really about the legal system, the court system, the justice system. Because in the ninth command, it uses court language giving testimony against your neighbor. But is this, is is the court system the only area of life where God cares about the truth? What about when people aren't in court? Surely God expects us to speak the truth wherever we might be, right? Well, the answer is yes, and it's made clear a little later in the Mosaic Law in Leviticus 19, verse 11, which says, Do not steal, do not lie, do not deceive one another. Now notice that there are no qualifiers to these commands, no conditions. We're not to be people who only speak the truth when we're under oath, but in every part of life. Do not lie, do not deceive. And the reason is, one of the reasons is, because God clearly cares about relationships. Remember, the whole law can be summed up, as we said, about learning to love God and love your neighbor or love people. Love God, love people. So according to God, relationships matter more than anything. And healthy relationships, many of us know, some of us have learned the hard way, healthy relationships are formed on a foundation of trust. Without trust... There can be no justice. Without truth, there can be no justice. But without truth, there can be no trust either. Let me ask you this Have you ever had someone tell a lie about you? Maybe it was a brother or sister. Those are commonly our first uh, (laughs) frenemies in life. (laughs) Maybe it was your spouse maybe someone at school or at work or out in the community somewhere? How did it make you feel to know that people believed something about you that wasn't true? Did it make you feel angry or embarrassed, defensive or ashamed? It's a terrible thing to know that other people are spreading lies about you. Well, one thing's for sure. When someone has told lies about you or even half truths or failed to correct false information or gossip or slander, the last thing you want to do is hang out with them and be friends with them. And the reason is because they have broken trust with you. Trust is built slowly over time, but it can be lost in an instant. Again, we must be people of integrity. People who speak honestly about ourselves and about others. People who refuse to distort the truth or hide the truth or even exaggerate the truth, even and especially when it's costly. Jesus emphasized this when he taught about the swearing of oaths in the Sermon on the Mount. Now, we we covered the Sermon on the Mount earlier this year under this theme of learning the way of Jesus, and so if you missed that, you can always go back and listen online if you'd like. But people in his day would make elaborate vows that supposedly had more or less of a requirement to tell the truth, depending on what you swore by. Now, this still kind of is part of our culture. Like if someone says, you know, I swear on my life, you might Trust that mostly, what, 75% of the time? Someone says, I swear on the lives of my children. You're like, okay, that bumps you up to 90% maybe. Trust, I believe that mostly. Um, so in, in the same way, in their day, depending on what you swore by would make you more or less required to do what you said. These oaths would, could allow you to break your commitments if you wanted to without feeling that bad about it. Well, I didn't swear on the lives of my children. But Jesus said his followers, he said that we shouldn't play games like this. Instead, we should be people who say what we mean and mean what we say. He taught all, of you, need, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Now, speaking of the evil one, Jesus taught that the devil was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. We see this all the way back in the garden in Genesis chapter 3. And the main attack of the devil is to question the truth of God's word. Do you remember what he said? He said, did God really say? And then he lied. You will not certainly die. Most people today think, when they think of a satanic attack or a demonic attack, think of something from the movie The Exorcist or some other horror movie like that. And that's scary stuff. But the most common attack of the devil in the Bible is lying about or distorting the truth of God's word. In the wilderness, when Jesus was tempted by Satan, Satan quoted the Bible at him, but he just twisted it enough that it was wrong. These are the devil's schemes because the devil knows that lies break relationships. In Genesis 3, acting on a lie was what brought sin into God's good and perfect world. It broke the relationship between people and God. In a friendship or in a business partnership or in a marriage, lies can destroy trust and cause great wounds and ultimately can break the relationship between people and people. This is why gossip is wrong. This is why slander is wrong. This is why even telling little white lies, even things that don't seem like they would matter at all, is wrong. The truth produces justice, but truth also produces and maintains trust, and trust is the foundation for every healthy, life-giving relationship the type of relationships that we were created to experience and enjoy. Now third and finally, truth produces transformation. Now I certainly believe justice is important and I obviously believe that trust in relationships is important, but this might be the most important point for those who are believers today. Now, again, I think it's just a good idea to tell the truth no matter what you believe about God because it's necessary for justice and it builds trust. This is how the world ought to work. Before the Christian, we believe that we have been bought with a price, that Jesus is our Lord and our Savior. We are no longer our own. And if we have been saved by Him and His life, death, and resurrection, then we will be sanctified by him, by his word and his spirit as we learn his way. Now, sanctification is the process that God is doing in the lives of his people in making us holy. We're saved in an instant when we believe in Jesus and we trust in him for our salvation, but we're made holy over the course of the whole rest of our lives. Some of us have just taken the first tiny step along the way of that journey. The end result will be that we, you and I, will be conformed into the likeness of Christ. The Apostle Paul wrote in his letter to the Philippians of his utter confidence that he, God, who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And this is a huge part of what it means to be a disciple. It means to be a follower or a learner of Jesus. As we learn his way, as we learn obedience to everything that he has commanded for us, it changes us. It changes everything. This is why our vision as a church is that the gospel of Jesus Christ will transform the people of the city, that is us, in every way. Life change is our main metric as a church. Now, of course, we want people to come to faith in Jesus, But we also want people to grow in their faith in Jesus and experience more and more of the love and the joy and the peace and the forgiveness and the freedom and so much more that is only possible through the presence and the power of God. So how do people grow in their faith? How are people sanctified and transformed into the likeness of Christ? On the night before his death on the cross, for the sins of the world, Jesus prayed for his disciples. He prayed for us. Listen to what he prays in John chapter 17. He prays to the Father in heaven, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they, meaning his disciples, may have the full measure of my joy within them. That sounds good so far, does it not? Amen? As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself so that they too may be truly sanctified. So Jesus says here that sanctification, that life change, that transformation comes by the truth of the word of God. The Bible isn't just good advice, it's the inspired word of God. The Bible is God's special revelation for us for humanity and it reveals to us the truth about who God is and what he has done who he has created us to be and what he has created us to do it reveals to us the way of salvation and wisdom for our lives and so much more it is a gold mine Jesus set himself apart so that we might be set apart And we are sanctified by the truth of the word of God. And this really is the key to understanding the ministry of the church even today. Our mission is sharing good news because people need the truth of the gospel. Without the truth, there can be no true transformation. You can use guilt or you can use fear Or shame to modify someone's behavior for a time, but you will not have true heart change unless you hear and believe the truth of God's word. Now, this is why in Ephesians chapter 4, we're told that Christ has given different leadership roles in the church to equip and empower the church to do the work of the ministry, the work of the apostles and the prophets of delivering the inspired word of God is carried on today by the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers and all of the other leaders within the local church. Our responsibility is to preach or to teach the word and invite people to respond in faith and in obedience to the truth. The result of this gospel-centered ministry of the whole church is seen in Ephesians chapter 4, starting with verse 12. Let's look at that. The result of this is that the body of Christ, that is us, the church, may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. people need in order to grow in their faith and experience the whole life transformation that is possible in Christ. Christians are not to be conformed to the pattern of this world, but are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Now truth is shared, truth can be shared without love. But when that happens, it can be, actually become a weapon to wound or to hurt people. Perhaps a friend or maybe your spouse or someone close to you shared truth with you that wasn't a, a gentle and loving con- confrontation, but more of like whacking you across the face or punishing you. Love isn't love without truth But truth without love doesn't minister to people and will not result in the whole life transformation that is possible in Jesus. Again, we must be people of integrity, people who speak honestly about ourselves and about others, people who refuse to distort the truth or hide the truth or even exaggerate the truth, even and especially when it's costly. Why? Because truth produces justice. Truth produces trust. And truth produces transformation in the hearts and the minds and the lives of everyone who follows the way of Jesus. Now as we close, I just want to share a little story about this and the importance of this, speaking the truth even to yourself. Almost three years ago, We were in the midst of the COVID pandemic. It was an especially politicized year. It seemed like everybody was either anxious or angry or both in every direction all the time. And it was overwhelming for me, frankly. It was really the low point of my life. And one of the things that I realized was that there were a lot of things in my heart and mind that just weren't true. Being honest with myself was the first step in a long process of healing. And in that time, there was a song that I listened to by the Avid Brothers. This is not in the Bible. <laughs> but they had a, they had a song that, that the whole chorus was, tell the truth to yourself and the rest will fall in, into place. And the Lord used that in a mighty way in my life. And I suspect that some of you, too, may need to start speaking the truth to yourself. But may we be a people who are honest, honest to ourselves, and honest with others and about them, too. May we be people who are committed to speaking the truth in love, no matter who we're talking to. Or who we're talking about. And so build up the body of Christ. And slowly, yet surely, may we be people who are being transformed into the likeness of Christ. This is the way of Jesus who said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we need your help. It is so easy to be distracted, deceived, led astray, or have the seed of a lie planted in our hearts and minds that that takes root and does nothing but produce rotten fruit. Lord Jesus, would you forgive us for all the different ways that we break the ninth commandment? And would you help us, Lord? We are desperate in need of your help. We need the truth of your word. We need the power of your Holy Spirit. We need you to help us be people who are honest, people of integrity, and people who honor the truth. Lord, we love you and we want to follow your way. Would you sanctify us by your truth and would you set us free in your truth? We pray this morning in your name, amen.